Buenos dias, or buenos noches. Will come and then push the shout. Das Vidania is Hola, amigos. Skippy. Hola. Buenos estas. Uh, Fuck. Wow, you didn't silence that. that this is the right Push to Shout we podcast. And he didn't silence that was the alert that okay. we just went live, actually. Okay. Well, maybe you should have silenced it so that you didn't get that alert. Anyway. I think it's connecting with the viewers. It's like, I know what it it's like. It humanizes you is what it does. I know what it's like to be hey, you. To even though we're running this Waiting with podcast, bated breath for us to go live. Even though we're running this huge podcast, we still, we're like you. We have cell phones. We get notifications. We're just like the fans. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not living up in our mansions. We don't have servants telling us, you know, it's... it's I've got just, teeth just like your yeah. teeth. We're, just, we're all connected. We're just the same. It's the circle of life. Fuck, Skippy. What's up? It, it what's going? up is that this is episode sixty-seven of the Push Out Podcast, coming at you on time on a Thursday night, nine eight central. Uh, we have some video games to talk about, and we're going to do it right now. But first, I want to talk about some non-video game things because it wouldn't be a true video game podcast if you didn't go off topic a little it's bit. It's better this way. It's off better the this path. way. Uh, I think you finished this as well as me. House of Cards, season yes. four. Season four, House of Cards. Um, so, <laughs> okay, well, what did you think? Um, I want to hear that first. I didn't regret watching it, but was underwhelmed, but not surprised that I was underwhelmed, I guess. I, I just, I, I, I enjoyed it on a very superficial level and uh and uh if i could go back in time and not watch it i would still watch it (laughs) i don't regret watching it or anything i'm just really tired of it like i think it was better than last season last season they it seemed like they were trying really hard to give it depth and it just didn't work where yeah. half the season was like Doug Stamper and his struggle to not kill some chick. Yeah. Like, just this completely nonsensical character struggle. Oh, but he's so sad and he's an alcoholic. And, like, all of these trappings of a prestige drama, but none of the actual substance. When really House of Cards was at its best when it was a stylish political thriller with backstabs and twists and just stuff happening. Uh, and... This season was a little more like that, but it, it still is just, it annoyed me more even than the last season. Because I thought, you know, I thought there'd be something that happened. Yeah. I, a lot of characters revolved through, but I still didn't, what happened really? That's that's exactly how I felt, especially like the first half, I'd say, of the season was just kind of like... Anything that did happen just kind of happened outside of, like, the whole appeal of House of Cards is Kevin Spacey being this devious bastard and, like, getting his way and coming up with these crazy plans that either work or fail. But instead, it's more like, oh, these things happened out of his control and there's not much you can do about them and they were either good or bad for him. And it's yeah, just like... I'm not gonna I'm not going to spoil this season. Yeah. Because... You know, it's not bad, really. It's really not bad. I, I mean, I, I, would, but, I still recommend it to people. Like, I still say, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, warn, I, I warn them that, like, it's not, like, the best show in the world, but it's fun. 
<laughs> I think it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. But anyway, uh, it's at its best when Kevin Spacey's eating up the scenery. Of course, yeah. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but he's not... He, there are some episodes that he doesn't have much of a presence in. Definitely. I, so there's less, That sucked. I hated that. There's notably, I, like... I feel like there's less... Uh, there's less of his fourth wall breaking stuff. That um, I love. That there was less of that. I I, I mix. I have for, mixed feelings about it because I like the fact that there's less of it. I don't like the fact that when it happens, it doesn't feel like it has much of an impact. Like I thought that okay, I think it was like the beginning of season two where they went the whole episode without him doing it at all. It, when the first season he did it all yeah, the time. I, I, we forgot about you. And then he looks at the camera and says, "I, I yeah. you thought I, uh, you thought I'd forgotten about you or whatever." And that was like that was the coolest. Great. That's the best moment in the entire show. Um, well, I, in my opinion, it's good. It's really good. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, but that's the thing is like I like it when it's impactful. But instead, it's just like they kind of feel like they have to do one per episode or, or something. And they, it, and they it tone doesn't it down this season notably from yeah. the last one. Because the last season, they were just doing it all the time, and it lacked any kind of precision at all. Um, and in season two, they did that also. Uh, not the first episode of season two, but the rest. It was pretty heavy-handed with it. Yeah. I'm glad that they pared it back a little bit. Just because uh, there was one where he's talking about the kid climbing the tree. Like, that one was well-placed. I it liked wasn't, that one. It wasn't among the most memorable moments of the show, but it was a good example of how to do that. Yeah. Anyway... Well, it, it gives insight into his character, you know. Like, it feels, it feels like it's meaningful, and a lot of them don't. They're just kind of like, oh, here's a little thing to the side, where it isn't really necessary. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's sometimes, not sometimes it just seems like a not really a crutch because I think it's a useful tool to solve some uh, sure. logistical problems, like when he's being such a good bullshitter that you would, wouldn't be able to tell if you were just observing yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, but it's always that's, better that's when it it's really, not... It's always better when it's not just that. That's that's where it was so good in season one, was that like you're still kind of figuring him out a little bit, and you don't necessarily know his motivations. You don't necessarily... Well, you know his motivations, but you don't necessarily know his methods. And so... Yeah, the, when the, when when he breaks the fourth wall, he it gives you some insight into like, okay, here's what he's actually doing. Um, but now I feel like you know the character well enough that you don't need that necessarily. Like you kind of always know when he's bullshitting someone. It's never questioned, uh, and so it does feel a little bit uh, useless to me. And 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 just the way it's written, the writing with, of the show, I've always been kind of it's conflicted not about. Good. It's not it's good. Not good. It's it's. It's so on the nose, and it's bad. I don't know if I wouldn't say it's bad, it's, but like okay, it is often bad. Yeah, yeah, it's often really bad. Um, and as a whole, it's just kind of fine. It, I feel like it thinks it's better than it is, which oh yeah, which makes yeah. it worse well, than it it's is. It's hard to tell. It makes it feel worse than it is. Some of it, I'm, some of it, I'm not sure if it's the writing pretending to be better than it is. Or if it's the production value and the acting being so good well, all of that, that it yeah. just clearly doesn't have the writing as a foundation. Yeah. Um, but it's it has like the appearance because the visual style we've talked about this before was kind of set in place by David Fincher, mm-hmm. a very prolific director who was brought on to direct the first couple episodes. And it's a very striking style. It's mm-hmm. a stylish show. 
and it hasn't really been shot quite as well as those first two episodes since, or even close to it, it's still got some really nice production. Um, It's a very pretty show, and it's able to take what would be pretty boring places, like um, offices and back rooms. They feel seedy and, like, cool colors, and it's cool. It's a cool production. Um, But lately, it just... Doesn't it's been looking more that. generic, and, and yeah, I guess I don't know. I, I haven't noticed that change much of a change in the production so much as just I feel like the story has gotten a little less like tight. I, I don't want to spoil anymore. anything, but it, it yeah, it just doesn't feel like there's a focus at all. It feels like it's just kind of stumbling to the next season, and um, and you kind of get that impression of him as a character too, where it's like. There's not this thing they always, for him to yeah, cling on to. They always talk about this our plan. Yeah. But they don't know what the fuck is going on. Like uh, yeah, no, nobody, they're just stumbling upon random happenings. Yeah, nobody nobody has any plans. Nobody's in control. It's just things happen out of out of their control and they react to them. Yeah. And the only time you get a hint of an actual plan being devised is in the last moments of the last episode, which actually made me kind of excited for the next season because it was like all through the season, yeah. you don't get a, a, anything to, to to bite your teeth into, and then finally, there's an actual plan, and he actually starts to carry it through, and then the season's over. So, yep. So, shit. And it it loves to end on cliffhangers that it never ever delivers on. I know. I'm really worried about that. I already know. Yeah. Okay. This season convinced me. The last season, that was the only thing that interested me was the way that it ended. I thought, okay, that could have some pretty huge fallout. And then, yeah. Sunrise. So I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. But uh, yeah, the, I feel like the the biggest, not the biggest mistake, but like one of their big mistakes they made was putting a character in the show who is supposedly a really good writer. God, and then, that and then their writing is still actually that irritated good. me. That he brought me back, or not me back. That he that, brought that character. It irritated me that they brought him back. Yeah, because that was terrible in the last season. Yeah. And I thought he was done. I was like, thank God he's not coming back to read more of Scorpio and the the soft waves tickled my... My... God, God it's... As he, like, he left he'll, the he'll, like, haze of the city below While he's talking and be like, I can, I can feel it in the walls. It's like the walls are quiet. And it's, like and it's, just like, Jesus it's like there's a ghost in the walls. Yeah, uh, that stuff is legitimately cringy and it wouldn't be as bad if well it, it, that, there's no way that could be good but the fact that everyone else acts like he's a good writer yes is that's what makes it so bad but anyway um, it's distracting but overall i think something that may not have been had anything to do with house of cards that colored my impression of it was watching the west wing and then having to go back and watch house oh, of yeah. cards because it just doesn't stack up at all. Right. The West Wing is just... Part of it is just because it's a much more realistic show. Yeah, does West Wing have Characters behave like, like human beings. But do they? But are there any devious characters? Are there any, is there any of that no, like, political intrigue? Just, or is it... There's lots of political intrigue. Yeah. But none of it is like, I am an evil person and this is a, this is a den of rats. Uh, okay. where it doesn't have to be like evil though, but like, people like... Yeah, but people like working behind each other's back, backs and stuff. I do like that stuff. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of what I want. From there is a lot of intrigue in the West Wing. Yeah, it's really cool. I might have to but check it. But it's out. a lot better 
because genuine foreign policy crises arise and the president's got to figure out what do I do? And, yeah. um, or we don't have a translator and this dignitary is upset and it's, it's interesting, real stuff that yeah. house of cards just can't because in the house of cards, it's this, this completely cynical blanket view of everyone which is entertaining because they're just terrible and yeah. they do terrible things to each other. But it just, there's not much substance to it. Because no. after you really let it sink in that literally no one's redeemable except for maybe this, these couple guys who are side characters, um, like Tom Hammerschmidt. But, sure. Yeah. What kind of character is that, though? You literally all exactly. throughout the season is like, He's, he is like an event that happens to the character. Exactly. He's not He's really not a really character, character. In, in himself. And, and the main character is like, uh, you've got the two main characters who are okay, serve their purpose, and then you've got, I'd say like the deepest character, and that's in quotation marks for you audio listeners, uh, is Doug Stamper. And, I, I hate and the him. only And the I only death you get is like, Oh, he regrets his actions. That's it. That's his death. The death is that he's a weirdo, and he's a weirdo, nut job, crackhead, freak. That's anyway. the official Michael Kelly bio for that character. Um, he's in a lot of stuff lately. With I've um, seen him. Yeah, I've seen him. Around, especially he's on TV. Everywhere. Um, but yeah. All right. All right. Enough. Enough of that. I have one more thing, non-video game related, for me to talk about, which is I watched UFC. 196 or some something like that uh which was surprisingly fun uh i didn't think i'd enjoy it as much as i i did but i think it was like had one you of the ever best. watched ufc before not really no not 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 past like it being on the tv and me passively watching it in like a party or something but um so i was actually like, paying attention you know and trying to learn I, I i researched a little bit and learned like about the fighters and all that you and uh had a fight yeah, now I know how to fight MMA, but uh, no, it was it was good. It was it was I was lucky because I, there were two major, the two biggest fights had were both major upsets. So it was a upsets very nice. good one to start on. You know, um, you had the woman who beat Ronda Rousey uh, got beat, and then Conor McGregor, who was on like an eighteen or nineteen or sixteen, I don't know, he's going a big win streak, got beat, uh, and so that's exciting you know um yeah and it, it was they were both very good fights and uh it was just it was a good it was a good time and i might i might check check that out some more um because it's just it's it's a fun fun thing to watch. stack up to the wwe uh it doesn't compare like those are two completely uh, the appeal what are you saying i guess is completely different because in ufc you're really looking at the competitive, like the, the, it's the competitiveness that makes it entertaining. Although of course they still do like, they still do. It's weird because they do professional wrestling style things. Like the fighters build up their character and like, there's basically in UFC heels and faces, good guys and bad guys. And they like in the, in the press conferences and stuff, they'll like play that up and Conor McGregor will shit talk and, and everyone hates him, but you're supposed to hate him and you're supposed to want to watch him lose. And that's what brings in the money. And he knows that. So it's weird because it's a real sport, but they are they are characters, just like in professional wrestling. So there are, there are some weird parallels that I didn't really expect to see, but definitely. Um, 
but yeah, when it comes to actually watching the the events themselves, it's it's a completely different appeal, but still appealing nonetheless. Um, and then Formula One's going to start pretty soon, so that's going to be my other sport that I'm going to start watching. And hopefully, this season will be as boring as last season because, like, halfway through last season, I stopped watching because it was so in a parade. Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, I did that. Not much else to say about it. Um, well, I got really into Rocket League. Oh, really? Yeah. I saw you playing it at some point with a uh, with your podcast. I mean, your uh, Mumble buddies. Yeah. Um, the Cumblebees. I played it. Like last year, just for a little bit, and then didn't really pick it up again. Mm-hmm. But I got back into it, and I'm really enjoying it a lot more than I was then. Awesome. Um, I didn't dislike it then. I liked it, but um really enjoying it and trying to learn stuff. And yeah. It's cool. I like it. Getting your aerials in and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you played the custom I played a stuff? couple. Uh, the, the, the day I got back into it, I was actually playing split screen with my friends. Oh, okay. And... Um, Nick, who you may or may not know, he's in like one or two of my videos and on the mumble. Uh, he set the settings to like no gravity, the fastest possible ball with time warp stuff, yeah, and a massive ball that was a cube. Yep. And no one scored stuff. for like forty-five minutes, and then we just quit. <laughs> it was awful, but that. That, that interested me again. With those like custom settings, you kind of have to be subtle with it. Like you have to kind of like yeah. go like half like gravity and and yeah, it's it, you, you can't just go all the way with it. Or it just becomes so stupid that it's not fun. I um, absolutely agree. But the maps, but I'm talking about the maps. They added some maps that are like totally different from the regular ones. Uh, one of them is like in the shape of a donut, kind of. Oh, that's cool. Or like a horseshoe, and so. Uh, both of the goals are on the same side of the map kind of like they're separated a little bit, but there's not much. And that completely changes how, cause like you can, you can clear a ball from your own goal and it'll go around the outside and it can actually like go in the other goal. It's weird. It's, it's, it completely changes how you have to think about it. And then there's another one that's like the same as the regulation map, but then there's two lanes on the outside that are a little bit elevated. And then the goal itself is at like maybe like a 60 degree angle. And then there's a ramp, that goes over the goal. So like, it's a lot easier to be going along the walls and like hit balls off the walls and stuff. Um, it, it, it changes. Some of the maps change them in really subtle ways and some are like really major, but they say they're going to, they're all in the same style of like this Tron kind of like cyberspace thing. And so they said that now that they've got that style is down where they're not rocket labs, is that what that is? It might be. I don't remember. I don't know. But um, now that they've got that style down and they're not, they don't feel like they have to, custom make a different map each time you know with like actual different textures they say they're going to be like testing and releasing a lot of those so that's kind of exciting um but yeah i got i started playing it a little more um i played a few hours maybe about a week ago uh right after our last podcast and uh i was really enjoying it 3v3 playing with people i know and then the next day i was like well i still want to play some but i don't really want to I don't want to put together, like, I just want to play for, like, 20 minutes and not, not right. like, get with friends or anything. So I tried out some 1v1 ranked, and I hadn't played in a couple months, maybe, and uh, I was getting destroyed. 1v1, so I think what's happened is basically everyone who still plays Rocket League... It seems like a totally different game. It is a totally different, like, you have to play way more defensively, and it's... Little mistakes can just kill you. Uh, there's no teammates to back you up, you know, but... 
um, which kind of appeals to me. I like the idea behind it, but I think the rest of the community who actually plays 1v1 has gotten so much better. Like the people who actually play it are, are way more experienced because I was being put up against people who were like, their little thing said like a legend, which means I think they have like 500 hours or something in the game and I have like 40. So like I was just getting destroyed and uh, it wasn't fun at all. And I, I, I w- w- just don't even do 1v1. Don't even bother. I, I hate it. Uh, it made me hate the game for a while, but I like doing I like doing one v one against people locally. But uh, sure, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I don't want to do not, right. You don't want to do it online. Trust me, uh, <laughs> it will make you so fucking mad. Especially since most of the goals are caused by your own mistake. They like punish you for your mistake, and it takes forever. Like they'll, you'll be on the other side of the thing, but they'll get ahead of you or whatever. And there's nothing you can do to stop them, and it's just it, it makes me really want to throw my controller. Yeah, um, I also uh, got oh, back into CS:GO, which I haven't played in a little while. Really? Uh, they've changed a lot. So they changed Nuke. They completely updated really? Nuke. Yeah, it's it's. When's the last time you played? Was it about the last time we were playing? No, it was probably after that. I, I've got a few people that I play with, okay. but um, it's been a, probably three months. I've been out um, of it for a while. Yeah, I'd been out there for for a few months, and so I got deranked and all that. Uh, they changed Nuke in some like really. I won't get into too much detail because it's boring as hell for people who don't know what I'm talking about. But like, do you remember? You, people can get up on the silo. Yeah. Outside, they've made that easier, which I think is a good decision because there's no reason for it to be hard to get up there. Um, but they've also made it that where you can. You, well, no, it's it's just completely different. You can move down. From silo to mini, which you've always been able to do, so like the roof of the little hut. But then you can go across that and get onto the catwalk oh. and all the way to heaven okay. on A site. So like you can literally just infiltrate A site from all the way so around. So it, that makes it nowhere near as CT sided, I guess. Exactly. It's in fact it's probably more T sided now uh, cool. than CT sided. Really cool. It's really cool because it feels more like. They've also completely changed like the orientation of the B site area with like the tunnels and stuff. Where like now, if you go down uh, secret, uh, God, poor people who don't know what I'm talking about. This must be so bizarre to listen to. If you go down secret and you turn left where like the vents are, instead of that just being a dead end and you have to go in the vents, it now goes down some stairs and around. And there's like basically where toxic used to be. Now that is a door that you can open up, and then there's another toxic that's built in like. On the other side, it's really, it's really different, and it feels more like an infiltration thing, where like mm-hmm. the terrorists have to really infiltrate the building, and then the counter terrorists have to infiltrate again, and then there's more options, you know, there's more, there's more confusion, and when you're guarding a bomb site, there's there's a lot more entrances and stuff that you have to keep an eye on, uh, which it was already that kind of map where like there was a lot going on. So it's it, now it's even more like that, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. It's really cool. Uh, so I, I, I recommend just going back to test that out alone, but then they've also added, it added a really overpowered weapon called the revolver, which I think I mentioned at some point, and then they nerfed it to the point where now it's useless and there's no reason to use it over the deagle. So whatever it's still fun to use because like you have to like cock the trigger to, to pull it but it's it's stupid it's completely useless now um but yeah i was having fun with that uh so i'm gonna be playing more of that definitely um interesting let's see what so you've have you played more mother three yeah okay i'm not saying much about it real quick uh it's a really good sequel and by that i mean there's 
certain things you look for in a sequel, and there's certain things you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. You want the spirit of the first game to be extended, yeah. but you also don't want it to be a rehash or to be too similar. And Mother 3 is probably the best example of that sequel philosophy I've seen in a while, um, where the tone, even, like Mother has a very uh, unique tone that people talk about, Earthbound especially, but Mother 3 even has a different tone from it, but the same, like, creative spirit is there. Like, it, it shares something elemental, but it's not... It's not just Earthbound, but better, or Earthbound with all the good stuff better and all the bad stuff gone. It's it's not like that at all. Yeah. It's a very different kind of story, which is it makes it all the more interesting that it's a great sequel to a game that it's that different from. And that's all I'll say about Mother 3. I'm close to the end now. Already? Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Interesting. Um, I have a new video game that I got yesterday that is... It's like, for the last 24 hours, it has been my favorite thing. Um, it It's called Stardew Valley. Okay, I haven't heard anything about this yet. Okay, well, have you ever heard of Animal Crossing? Yes, it I is, loved Animal it Crossing. It is Animal Crossing. Uh, Fuck yeah. Mixed with All right. Harvest Moon, I'm which I've never played. Right but so, so the concept is, it's, it's a 2D... Uh, uh, pixelated. It looks kind of like a later Pokemon game, I guess. Like it looks like it has the art style of like a Terraria and a lot of the gameplay style of Terraria, but it's not side scrolling. It's 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 a it's a map. But um, you are a farmer. You move on to a little farm in a small town, and you start your little farm, and uh, and you grow things, and you have to water them, and when they're ready to pluck I mean, out, you I mean, sell them to the guy in the town square. And then there's little events that happen Animal on certain Crossing. days. And you have to like so build much. your relationship with, with other town members and stuff. And you can go fishing. Do they talk in like gibberish that's unique to each no, character? No, so it doesn't, like I would say it doesn't have as much like style as Animal Crossing. Like Animal Crossing, a big appeal, I think, is like <sighs> that cuteness, that style. And it does It doesn't need to be cute. But um, it's still a cute game, but it doesn't have as much going on, I guess, as, as Animal Crossing it, it, in, like, the art department and the, and the sound department. Is it faster than Animal Crossing? I'd say it's probably around the same speed. I haven't played Animal Crossing in a long time, but it, it seems a lot like it, you know, like, uh, pacing and everything. Um, and so, like, like, let me tell you, like, a typical day. <laughs> in, in I've gone through, so there's four seasons, and each season has 30 days, mm-hmm. and when the season's up, you have to start a new... Like you can't grow the same crops, you know. Like during the summer, you 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 grow wheat, and during the spring, you you grow potatoes and parsley and stuff. And so, um, like you have to manage your little farm and build it, and you can build a barn and get some animals, and you can get a chicken coop and all that stuff. And uh, and so you wake up in the morning and you water all your plants. That's like the first thing you do in the morning. And it That's takes great. energy. Every action takes a little energy off your little bar. And you can restore your energy by, like, eating stuff or whatever. But usually you just use all your energy for the day and then go to bed. And next day it's, the bar's back up. Um, so you water all your plants, and that takes some energy or whatever and some time. 
and then you go into the town and you sell any of the plants that have matured and you, now you've got your materials and maybe you clear out some of your farm by chopping down some trees and clearing out the weeds and stuff uh and then you can fish or you can mine there's like a mine that you go down and i think it's like procedurally generated um and there's little missions that you can do that they'll be posted on the little town square and if it's an event day like there was like an easter kind of thing where you had an easter egg hunt and i won the easter egg hunt and won a little straw hat it is the most relaxing game i play like you just sit there and you just go ah okay and you've got your little checklist of things everyone in the do. chat is saying it's way more like harvest moon i guess i never i don't know anything about harvest moon but i i, I haven't played harvest moon either i've heard that comparison made I, I heard it's good when i used to subscribe to nintendo power as a wee lad i remember reading yeah. a lot of good things about harvest moon it's marketers who were paid to sell me harvest this moon. game is like it taps into your subconscious where like oh i have to I have to keep playing. And it's so it's got like that one more day thing, like that one more turn of Civ 5. It's got that kind of appeal of like, well, I have to play another day. Um, because hey, my crops are gonna are gonna be here the next day. Or oh, tomorrow's so and so's birthday and I wanna give them this gift or whatever. And so it's got that going for it, but then it's also got the just the whole like management sim kind of thing where like you're just managing your farm and customizing things and moving things around and Oh man, it is a very relaxing little game, and I I love it. And it's the kind of game that you can play while watching something else, like not paying one hundred percent attention. So I, I like that. Would it a have lot. been good to play uh, while watching House of Cards season four. Yeah, probably because um, that is probably more enjoyable if you disengage from it in some way. Yeah, uh, so I highly recommend it. Um, it is it is just if you like that kind of game, you're gonna like this game. It, it, I think it blatantly rips off. Harvest Moon and, and Animal Crossing, but that's that's fine because those are, <laughs> it makes a good game. Um, all right, enough about that. Awesome. I'm going to play that like right after the podcast, probably. I, I've just been all my free yeah, time I just bought playing it. that. Um, and yeah, it's fifteen dollars on Steam, so pretty good, pretty good deal. Uh, news: There's okay. some haps. Uh, yeah, there are some haps. So, Street Fighter Five has been rocky. Since its launch. To put it kindly. Um, first, there was the missing feature stuff that some people complained about. I didn't think that was a big deal, really. Yeah. And we talked about that, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, but there was a problem, and there still is, where people have been rage quitting when they're about to lose and keeping their win records high and just ex- exploiting the rank system completely and frustrating everybody they play against. And they said they implemented some kind of punishment system now, but I just saw Flimsy complaining about it, so I'm guessing it's still not. So uh, I meant to look this up, but then I got I was I had to go through my mind and uh, <laughs> in Stardew Valley instead of doing research for the podcast. But I meant to look up exactly what the new system is. But from what I've heard, I think what the system is is like instead of just automatically punishing someone for rage quitting, uh, you have to report the match and then someone has to watch the match and see the rage quit no no that's how it used to be what they said is that they changed the system to automatically detect based on their win percentage and like the time that they usually lose connection Mm. and they can tell based on like okay it apparently was a very sophisticated algorithm yeah that they set up and spent a lot of time working on. Because you can 
check things like, okay, this person 90 or a hundred percent of the time that they lose connection, they're losing. Okay. That's a red flag right, number one right. for our system. Uh, red flag number two, they always quit well into a match, never early on where you would expect connection issues to yeah. crop up. You know, so yeah, I I do believe that a system like that can be effective. I don't know that they've sorted out all the problems with that, but it seems to be the right kind of of system where they can where they don't need human beings to examine each case because that's a serious problem. Yeah, I can't believe that that game was shipped without that automatically in place. That's like unbelievable to me because it's such an obvious thing. Like you need to have a system in place that punishes players for doing that. But I think Rocket League also had the same problem for a while where it wasn't punishing people for rage quitting, which is just ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really mind the way CS:GO does it. Is just like. No sympathy at all. If you disconnect, you get banned for a certain amount of time, and then if it happens again in a certain amount of time, you get banned for longer. Um, and that seems really effective. You very rarely see people quit those games. But and you know, even if it's not your fault, it still sucks for your team. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. If you've got a bad enough connection that you can't way. play, then you can't yeah, play. you you shouldn't be playing ranked because you're gonna be you're gonna be ruining people's matches. Um, but I do see why it could be an issue, like especially in like such a where there's these shorter matches. I feel like a lot of people would play, and then it, they'd be losing in their last match. It'd be late night; they're planning on quitting soon anyway, and they rage quit their last match, and it's still frustrating. But that wouldn't happen as often. But still, that could happen. So I can I can see why they would want like an algorithm that more accurately detects it. But whatever, um, it's just ridiculous to me that they didn't have that in place already. Uh, but anyway, whatever. Neither of us play that. Uh, speaking of fighting games, uh, did you ever hear of Rising Thunder? Nope. Rising Thunder was a... I think it had some you know, semi-popularity. It seemed like it was had some traction. It was a uh, early access game where it was just a fighting game with robots. And it seemed like a pretty standard fighting game. I'm sure there were, there's some really nuance to it that it changes that appeals to a certain audience or whatever. But I, I saw some positive things about it. People seem to be pretty high on it. Uh, it's it's developer Radiant Entertainment was bought out by Riot Games, developers of League of Legends, and they just completely scrapped the project, which is bizarre to me because it seemed like it was pretty close to being done. Like, it was an early access game that people were playing, so I, I can't imagine it had that far to go. Wait a minute. Um, so they just canceled the game completely. And I think oh, no, I think their no, I, thought it was I think their plan is to make rumor has it their plan is to make a like League of Legends fighting game using those characters uh, or whatever. Whatever, I, I, that's pretty depressing to me. I, I don't care about Rising Thunder, but it's sad to see like to see it just completely scrapped in place of this garbage spinoff thing that's probably not going to be any good. Whatever, uh, <laughs> fuck that. Uh, and speaking of developers shutting down, and this I am not displeased about or surprised or, about. Uh, yeah. Microsoft shut down Lionhead Studios, which were creators of a little game you might remember called Fable Legends, which was shown at the last uh, was it the last E3 that, or the one before that. It's both, I think. Um, which was like a co-op. literally no one cared. I just saw a trailer for it playing on like a Best Buy. Um, display Weird. for a Surface computer, yeah. and that was just, like, well, I guess, a week I guess ago. I'm going to put it on like a 
tablets and stuff. It was Windows 10. Uh, whatever. Um, it looked bad. It was a co-op, like, adventure. It looked like a fucking mobile. It looked really. corporate. <laughs> like, oh, these are the games that are popular, and here's a mixture of those things in a really, like, un- unimaginative way. Top-down magic swords. I, 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 think, I think there was, like, a game master or whatever that would, like, try to stop the play. I don't know. It looked like Evolve, it looked really, almost. really stale. Um, so, God, remember Evolve? Yes. Yep. Remember that that was going to be, like, an eSport? Why did they market that as an eSport? That was bizarre. Anyway. Uh, so that's all we have to say about that stuff. Uh, no Man's Sky. Uh, Sean Murray, who is the cute man. By cute, I don't mean that in a gay way, guys. I'm straight. He's cute as in he's adorable. You need to look up Sean Murray if you have if you don't know who I'm talking about. Um, he he's going around, he's touring around, and he's giving, I guess, uh, closed demos to press of uh, No Man's Sky. And kind of explaining a little more about what you actually do in that game. And it seems like... I'm kind of excited for it. It seems like the game is essentially like your kind of typical survivor game. Where like it drops you in the world and you have to collect items to build new things, to get you to do more things, to build more things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but the big difference is, of course, you're, you're in space and you can go to different solar systems and planets and all that. So... It's like an exploration this, survival game, I guess. This is a game that I really just need to play at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I this is maybe it's been long enough. Yeah. I, I need to play. This, it. this, seeing this information come out has convinced me that, like, okay, I don't need any more information. I don't want to hear any more about the game because it feels like a big part of the game is going to be discovering it. You know. Yeah. Um, and and they've been very cagey, obviously, about their information. So I think that they kind of realize that that's part of the appeal. So that's part of why they're not talking about it very much. But uh, it looks cool. It looks it looks fun. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, even though people have been really negative about it lately. Um, 60 FPS, Dark Souls three on the PC. Yeah. So there were rumors for a while because in the first translated interview thing uh, at the Dark Souls three unveiling, people were asking questions of Miyazaki and like a from software representative and the representative said something like they asked if there would be 60 frames per second in support on any version of the game or the PC version and they said Dark Souls 3 is 30 frames per second or yeah, something like I that. that and a lot of people were worried and just today um, Namco Bandai has confirmed that Dark Souls 3 they said forget what you heard Dark Souls 3 is 60 frames per second on PC that's good which of course it should be what was disappointing to hear was that there's not going to be an orchestral soundtrack for Dark Souls 3. Does that mean that they're going to emulate it, it be electronically? Yeah. Um, now, I don't actually have a source for that. That's hearsay. But usually Carlos tells me these things and they're true. <laughs> but it might be worth checking. But... Bloodborne had a fantastic orchestrated soundtrack. I'd be kind of surprised because it seems like the soundtrack. I mean, it, it, it's it's a major part of those games, you know. Especially like the boss fights are largely defined by the music. And I guess you could you could make a good synthesized soundtrack. Obviously, can somebody but... set us straight? Was this announced? I'm pretty sure. 
way to, this way is to be true, but giving everyone false information. Well, you know, that's what they're we're supposed doing. to rely on us to be uh, to be trustworthy news sources for video games. Some of the things in Dark Souls One sounded synthesized, but others sounded clearly orchestral. And it was probably a mix. I think that's kind of yeah. how it's usually done, you know. Um, but either way, the game looks cool. I'll, I'll buy it. <laughs> I think I'll buy it too. I, I I don't know if the game looks cool because I've still successfully avoided pretty much anything about. It. I haven't seen gameplay of that game yet. Um, I haven't even really seen screenshots. I saw of one it. like shitty off-camera thing from E3 yeah. the first time that they were doing that, and then haven't really seen. I've it. seen like the closest I've seen is like thumbnails of screenshots. So like I still don't even really know what the game looks like. So I'm super excited. It's just it's. It's fun to go in blind, which I, I haven't really... You don't get to do that a lot <laughs> these days. Um, so, yeah. It's only been 40 minutes, and we've already gotten through everything we wanted to talk about. On that subject, though, uh, I've been catching up on the Mother 4 stuff, the fan-made project. Oh, I didn't know that existed. Yeah. So, it's really impressive how good the production of that game is. From what they've shown, it's like an even more polished Mother 3. Obviously, it's easier to make a game like that now than it was to make on the Game Boy Advance in 2006. Yeah. But it's the the detail and the animation is beautiful, and the, the music is incredible. They've already released a big portion of the soundtrack. I think they're holding back certain tracks, and I haven't listened to all of them. But the little I've listened to is... I was really blown away because it does live up to the soundtracks of the other games. Yeah. Um, I forgot how that was related. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was the soundtrack. I think that's what made me think of it. Either way, so it's, Mother 4. Who's made, like, is it a team of people? It's a team. Um, and people have been upset with them because for a few months they weren't showing a lot of progress publicly, but they said they were doing it because... People were getting tired of the constant updates over nothing, and who knows. But they seem to be chugging along. They famously, or I guess infamously, missed a deadline. They said they were going to release it summer last year, and it's still not out. And they said it's probably going to be this year. But it's a free project. Yeah, I mean, there's always run into these things. And what what they've made so far is honestly like impressive. It'll be a cool game. The only thing I am not 100% confident in is the quality of the writing, because you can't know that until you play it. Yeah. But as a game and as like a, a, an imitation of Mother, it's amazing. That's cool. Usually, I mean, usually those fan projects end up being, first of all, disasters and they're never completed. But secondly, usually not very high quality. Like the, the infamous one uh, that I that I always think of is... Uh, completely trying to overhaul Morrowind in the Oblivion and now Skyrim engine by just like building the game anew, uh, including voice acting and all that shit, which Morrowind didn't even have voice acting. This is way too ambitious. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculously ambitious and doomed to fail, but people still try bless their hearts. Um, So yeah, like I just, I instantly assume the worst about those things so it's it's really cool to hear that that's actually working out it's yeah it the sprite animation in mother 3 is amazing 
And the sprite animation for Mother 4 looks even better because obviously it's somebody who has a lot of time on their hands and doesn't have to fulfill <laughs> yeah. like deadlines. So they had room to put a lot of detail in. But there's just neat little things. Like one character is kind of a cool biker guy and he um he takes out a cigarette and then he lights it with PK fire and there's like this little red animation that comes around him and then flares up on his thumb and it lights the cigarette and it's just a cool little idle animation but there's just so much detail because they had yeah. the luxury to put detail in yeah itoi uh, shigesato itoi in an interview once said and i guess he said this several times that he'll never make a mother 4 that the series is done with Mother 3, or at least that he's done making them. But what he said more than once is that he wouldn't be opposed to a Mother 4 made by somebody else. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird. And it does, it is in a way fitting. It feels more like a mood or a, um, a philosophy than like an auteur showing you themselves. Like a Tarantino movie couldn't be made by anyone else. But yeah. you could make a mother for that's a very personal game from somebody else. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Um, now Ito yeah, is the I, OG I, for bringing us that, that sensibility, but it's one that you can carry with you and we express. It's like, there's, it's like there's certain, there's certain uh, creations. There's certain fictions that feel like they're more, uh, it's more acceptable for them to be like for like fan fiction or whatever, you know, like for fans to make their own stuff and, and, and not feel like it's just like, like undertale, as much as I hate the fan base, that game feels and under, totally ready to be exploited. Undertale you know, like itself can do whatever they want is an example stuff. of that. It yeah. is an example of an earthbound because of the inspired things. Sure. And Lisa um, too. Yeah. I don't, I, what is, so can you explain to me the Lisa? I've got Lisa. I have the game. What is the... I've heard there's like three games or something? You really something? should just play it. There's okay. Lisa the First, which was a Yume Nikki clone that he made first. Uh, you don't really need to play that. Just play it afterwards if you're interested. You'll get all the context you need. In so Lisa I'm playing the, the second one. Then. You're, paying Lisa, you're playing Lisa the Painful RPG, okay. which was like the real meaty game. And then there's Lisa the Joyful, which is an expansion slash epilogue okay. for Lisa the Painful. But you gotta play Lisa the Joyful. And yeah, I was curious. If you, finish, and I didn't look. if you finish Lisa, you'll want to play the Joyful. Yeah, I didn't want to like read too much into it because I figured I'd get spoiled or something. You so. Don't read um, anything about it if you can. Speaking of that kind of thing, uh, what what's the update on those people who are making the Smash Brothers thing that they had to stop? A wave dash or. Project M. Project M was the project uh, that shut down. Yeah, Project M. Because those guys said they were going to do something else, didn't they? Yeah, they had like Wave Dash Studios or something. But I don't really care about another fighting game like Smash. Right. So much of the appeal of Smash is playing as those characters. I'm just, curious, being I'm a just curious if that stuff's actually like, if they're actually doing that or if it's kind of I don't dead care, in the water. really. Right. I haven't been following it. <laughs> I, there was a Smash Brothers tournament last weekend at UAB in Birmingham, and I didn't go. I wanted to, but I I had something else to do. I don't know if it actually. I don't know if it was actually like a big deal or not. I don't know how many people 
were scheduled to they show usually up. Usually are. I mean, it seems not like a huge deal, but if there's a tournament at a university, yeah. then I mean, Alabama's a pretty going there Alabama's seriously. for whatever reason, Alabama's a pretty big fighting fighting game scene. Like uh, Huntsville is where that famous video of the guy going, "Who bitch this is?" Yeah, they, seem, they seem to be real into those traditional fighters. Yeah, so that uh, I I, I want to go to one of those because it just seemed like so much fun. Um, yeah, they are. Um, yeah. They're really not as bad as people claim they are. I just wish I knew how to play fighting games because <laughs> I never played them. Just Even go. Smash Brothers, I know how to play it, but I'm terrible, so I couldn't actually like. We should play be in the tournaments. Yeah, we we really should, but I I am like really bad. I, my brother-in-law. I, I play him sometimes in uh, 64 and just get destroyed. 64, he's not even that great. 64 is really fun to watch just because I didn't know this until I started to pay attention very recently. But hit stun in that game lasts a very, very long time. To the, It's not like you really notice it all that much when you're just playing casually. Yeah. But if you're watching people who are good at it do it, then the frame data is such... That there's no room to get out of most things. Like, if you land one hit, you just do the right thing, and you kill the other guy. So they have five stocks instead of melee's four, and it's it's usually people just moving in and out of each other's ranges, and then once somebody gets an opening, they just carry it through to the yeah. stock. And it's, it's a different kind of game, not one that I'd want to watch a lot, but I'll watch it when it's on on like VG Bootcamp's Twitch or something because it's always unique and interesting. People will just, the, the patience is incredible. It really is a different skill set yeah. for that game and for I, Brawl and for Smash 4. I stand by that like Smash Brothers for a casual viewer is super fun to watch for me. I, I, I love it. I don't, I don't think you that's a popular opinion. It. Like it seems like more people like enjoying the, ah, more enjoy the uh, Street Fighter stuff. My school keeps turning off. I don't know why. Um, but I, I love it because, yeah, you can get it really easily from a superficial level of, like, okay, here's what's going on. This guy has him in a combo and all that stuff. But, like, the combos themselves are just so much more fun for me to watch. Like, they they seem so much so much more creative, I guess. Like, there's oh, yeah. just a lot more going on, and there's a lot more options for how they... Like, I watched someone playing Yoshi one time where they, like, he, like, shits out the eggs. Yep. And he had... He had someone on the outside of the map trying to get up and like getting hit by the eggs over mm-hmm. and over and over. And he was just, he just hit him perfectly where like the guy had no, like he just had him in a lock, but he was in a completely different part of the, of the screen. And it, that's just stuff you don't see in other far, uh, fighting games really. And it, it, it just seems like there's more... dominating somebody in smash is so much flashier than. Yeah. And, and the crowd reacts to it, obviously, because it's just like, it feels like such a bigger deal because in a fighting game, someone gets in a, put into a combo and it's not going to last all that long because their health is going to go down and it's going to be a KO. And it just feels like it, it feels like there's less going on. Like they're just getting hit over and over. But in Smash Brothers, the way they get carried off the screen and stuff is it's there's something way more satisfying about it to, for for a viewer. So I love it. Um, anyway, I don't have anything else to talk about. It's been kind of a short podcast, but whatever. Uh, uh, I don't think of anything. Oh, did you see the new trailer for Captain America Civil no. War? Spider-Man's in it! I heard that. It's Spider-Man! Great. 